You read the Bible, Greg. Talking to me? I'm a law Wait, wait, let me, let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. So what you want? Jesus freak. Got a bad feeling about this. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Do I really look like a guy with a Oh wow, thank you for that. Hello and welcome to the Film and Loathing Podcast for Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. This is episode number 114 and I'm Jake. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Coming up this week, we've got our delayed review of Candyman. We also might we also talk uh, some Malignant, which has been making the rounds on the internet, plus uh, whatever else we've watched and whatever else comes up along the way. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Hey, you guys doing? It's been a while because you're a busy, busy boy. Yes, I am. And despite all of my business, I still managed to get myself on my own phone plan. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Raise the roof. Your own phone plan as opposed to what? Before. Being on your mama's account? I was attached to my mother's account, but paying for my own shit. So I was like, (laughs) I might as well split off and be on my own so I'm not tied down by you people. Yeah, you didn't have to ask your mom permission to get a phone upgrade. <laughs> no. Well, like, I, I went to US Cellular and I got a new phone because they had this deal that if you create your own line, you can get a brand new phone, like one of the brand new iPhones. So I got an iPhone 13 Pro Max mm. for free. For free? What? What's yep. your plan cost? Uh, 40 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month. Unlimited. Dang, dude, you now have the newer phone for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's huge. I think I have an iPhone 7. <laughs> you should kill yourself. <laughs> and the thing was, is I had the iPhone 10, and it's not like I was discontent with my phone. I just kind of figured, like, this one's going to last me longer anyways. I probably will have cool. to get a new phone soon anyways. Dude, I was st- this... I've like have been refusing to do like the new iOS update for like three weeks now. And pretty soon it probably just won't work. Dude, I was rocking a six pl- a 6S Plus when I got <clears throat> our new phone plan in the last, I don't know, year. I just want I want a flip phone, so That's see all I, want. I, I I went through the same thing. I went through that same exact thing, and I can tell you that having a flip phone sucks no it doesn't it really does like you can call people that you don't like talking to people over the phone you i don't want to talk to anyone on the phone so why have a phone in the first place but guess what i really also don't care what people are doing on facebook either but you don't get emails like you can't check what? your emails but you don't are you telling me you what, go on your what laptop kind of emails do i need to check this guy's not getting emails you kidding? look at this guy who's emailing me i don't know dude Deals no from deals from freaking actionfigurepurchase.com or some shit. 
This guy's not getting emails. Tito Warmer, get... whatever the fuck you do, vinegar last... syndrome deal. <laughs> the last email, I actually, okay, so that's fair. I have to send an email every day to the owners of Harvest Moon Daily. So I, you got me there. And you wouldn't be able to do that from your phone. You'd have to wait until you got home to like purposely sit down and send an email, which really isn't all that inconvenient considering it takes like five minutes, but still. Just think about it. I'll think about is it, it. Is it one of those things, Chris, where like you get yourself convinced that you need a flip phone, so you just need to get the flip phone to show yourself how awful it is? Is that I what mean, Jack's getting into? He, I mean, if he isn't convinced by this point, he's just going to have to experience it on his own. I, Because here's my thing. I wanted a flip phone, but at the same time, I was also doing the audit shift at the hotel, which means I was there by myself from 11 p.m. until 7 a.m. So I didn't realize how much it sucked until I was sitting there watching Joe Rogan videos on my flip phone on YouTube, just like, shit, I hate all of this. Wait, you were watching videos on YouTube on a flip phone? Yeah. They're, they're the 4G capable. I don't want that. Yeah, well, you know, get a track phone then. Or a fucking, not track phone, the fucking um, burner phone. I just want to be able to tell people that I can't talk to them because I'm out of minutes. <laughs> I mean, you could still tell people that. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I missed your call, Mom. I'm out of minutes. <laughs> I would have responded to your text, but it costs like two minutes per text, and that's not anything like I can really spare. Three, it's like point three minutes a text. Which you think about it is ridiculous because you can say so much more in the the twenty seconds equivalent of a phone call. Yeah, but it doesn't work like that. Like they always round to the nearest minute. Seriously? Yeah. That's stupid. That's you stupid. can't have like. 30.4 minutes like you you would have you have always have like an even number it either rounds up or rounds down in your favor and are you limited to are you limited to like 140 characters i don't know jeez that's a ripoff if i ever heard one why why were you getting duped and just making the phone calls instead of doing the text no i'm not getting duped into anything i'm just saying like i feel as if it should go like what you use is what you should pay for. Should be okay, no some of this assumptive shit. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with you. Just, it's just never worked that way, Christopher. The world's a shitty place, full of shit Maybe people. Maybe I should just, I'll get rid of a cell phone in general and just get a home phone. <laughs> get a landline. <laughs> You'll still carry it around with you. You'll just have one of those rotary phones just, like, in your arms at all times. <laughs> or a hamburger phone. I want people to have to really think about getting a hold of me. Like, how much effort is it going to take? At what point do you just live in, like, the Chilean mountains where you have to get in there by, like, donkey? For somebody to that's come the next you. natural step. For this guy, a rotary phone to living in the Chilean mountains. <laughs> That's only accessible by donkey. Yeah. Is that is that the end game, Zach? I don't think we're far off from that. Mm-hmm. Get a fucking passport, bud. 
No, I don't need the federal government knowing where I go. This guy's fucked. He can't leave the country. <laughs> so it's funny. He doesn't want a passport because so, they don't want him to track him. So he has to stay within the U.S. where they're tracking him. <laughs> Not if I leave the country illegally. Oh, I see. Where, where do you go illegally? And, like, and I'll where, oh. tell you on open airwaves. Where? Where are you willing to put in that much effort to go illegally? Chile. Canada. You're t- how would you get to Canada illegally? Like, get a fisherman to take you into international waters and then just drop you off? I'll just sneak across the border. You can't tell me that border is secure, like, uh, across the entire United States. There's no way. Right now. No, it's, de- it's definitely not. I mean, like, maybe, okay, all I'm saying is that there are structured ways of going across the border, like, through over roads or, like, via boat or whatever, you know. The only way to probably get across at multiple points is to, like, cross some mountain range or, like, walk across a field, which, Zach, I don't see you doing either of those things. If it doesn't involve four wheels and a car crossing the border, I don't see you doing that. I'll fly under an alias. Hi, I'm Jacob Soros. <laughs> also, BTW, when I said that we need to keep this podcast on pace, I did not mean discuss illegal ways to get into Canada so that Zach can avoid having a smartphone. It's not what I meant. It's a fair point. That's, pretty, that's par for the course. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's true. I guess we haven't really gotten that far off topic compared to what we normally do. But let's see, <clears throat> just to get into it here, Candyman, written by Jordan Peele, Wynn Rosenfeld, and directed by Nia DaCosta, stars uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, uh, Tayona Paris, and um, yeah, those are the two big ones, I suppose. And the plot synopsis is, IMDb, you're killing me, a sequel to the horror film Candyman that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. What did you guys think of Candyman? Twenty twenty one. Why did the synopsis need to include that it was a sequel? I don't know. That was a terrible synopsis from IMDb. Uh, oh, Chris, you want to start? Sure. So um, you're the fre- you're the freshest. I, am the I freshest. watched it this morning, so I've seen it oh, twice now. Nice. Okay. Cool. Candyman was. I haven't seen the original, so I can't go based off of. You know, a comparison, but oh, you're missing off right off the bat. You're missing out. I just figured it would provide me a good, a good dynamic to go from as a person who's you're, probably you're missing like a very key plot point if you haven't seen the first one. Why do I need to know this plot point? Because like, how many people do you think went and watched the original Candyman before they watched the this Candyman? Well, Everyone I think I it's know. safe to assume that if you're watching a sequel, it's probably assumed you've seen the first movie. I would argue differently considering that one came out when? Well, Chris, first off... Yeah, this one came out in 2021. Chris, already right off the bat you're missing out because the opening title sequence is literally a mirror image of the opening credits of Candyman 1992. Hmm. Interesting. Weird, man. So, Okay, so... The... Like, like the first movie is referred to heavily in this movie. Okay. Like all, like the scary story that the brother tells at the beginning, 
the case files that he's listening to, like all that stuff is in reference to the first movie. So like, yeah, I, I mean, I would say it's fairly important that you see the first movie. I would say get... so. This movie seems to be pretty standalone. And there's just like some minor things that I think you would have appreciated a little bit more had you seen it. But I think you're right. I don't. I think you, it's it's standalone enough. Mm. I would say that it more or less just enhances your viewing. I'm not denying that, but I can't. I can't deny it because I haven't so seen I, the first I can, one. I can think of. I can think of a scene in like in particular that it's like if you hadn't seen the first movie, you'd be like, "What is kind of going on here?" And it's the scene where it's like revealed who this guy really is, where he was actually oh. born. Yep. Okay. I feel like without seeing the first movie, that scene comes off as kind of like, "Well, wait, what? I don't quite understand how this relates." It, it just seemed, I, I do have to admit, that did kind of seem like a ball out of left field. Yeah, which for me in the audience, I was like, oh shit, what a twist. I called it like 10 minutes before that happened. I was like, I bet oh, that's, really? I was like, I bet that's the kid. I guess I kind of, no, it made sense as it was leading up to it, but I definitely had no idea that this was a, that's where this movie was going to go to start. Chris, were you confused when the movie started and all the logos were backwards? Uh, no. I wasn't confused when it started, but I was confused when it ended and how that related at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can get, we can certainly get there. But general impression, I would say that I kind of enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought there was some, uh, particularly like some unique stuff with the camera that I really liked. I like how they really leaned into the mirror image of things and viewing things through mirrors I, I like that a lot even though that's not really part of the original one at all but i did like that added element to it in the original he's a physical manifestation like rather than just kind of a presence he's a yeah. physical being yeah okay like sort of mystical but like he physically appears as opposed to like only seeing him in a reflection <laughs> kind of like a freddy krueger type so, thing one thing i guess actually a huge thing chris that <clears throat> you might have missed out on is that the Candyman portrayed in this movie is not the same Candyman portrayed in Candyman 1992. Which is like, like, yeah, it's a completely different like person, different actor. And also a completely different like character. Like he's still Candyman, but like his human name, who he would have been before he died and became Candyman is completely, a completely different person. Like a different origin story. Yeah, which really confused me. That was an aspect that I I liked. Um, I guess, like, my main question would be, like, was that the plan all along, or did they have a different plan, but Tony Todd is just, was just not physically able to do, like, most of what they wanted? It's So they kind of were forced to take it in a different direction. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think if you're going to do that, don't tie in that the main character is the the child from the original Candyman, because realistically, the version of Can- well, the version of Candyman that he should be seeing <clears throat> should be Tony Todd's and not what we get. So just if you don't have that element, then it's fine. It's a different person. I love the score for this movie. I think it's very well directed. Um, I think it does a fantastic job creating atmosphere, but I. It's very clear to me that Jordan Peele has his hand in this because it feels a lot like us, where at a certain point, 
the movie becomes more about its commentary and it becomes less focused on the actual events of the movie making sense. And I think that's where this movie loses me is that that last act I think is is pretty terrible. Yeah, well, so the, I think what's so this hadn't been done before, right? But then it was shelved for a long time with for COVID. It was, it was originally set to be out last July, I believe. So I wonder if there was like oh, something was so that much better. Like I wonder if there was some tinkering or something that had to be done because there's some threads like you're saying, Zach, that don't really make a lot of sense, and <clears throat> it does seem like there was some. Like, some editing or some last minute changes that need to be made or something because they they like legitimately don't make any sense. Not that they're confused, like they're confusing in the fact that they're so like such a miss. I don't know if misstep is the right word, but um, so different than what you're expecting that there seems that there had to have been something going on. Well, I harp a lot on like movies that shouldn't be two hours long that are. And this is a movie that's 90 minutes that I feel like should be two hours. Because, like, there's just something about it that feels incomplete. Like, there's just something that feels like they, there's a big chunk of it that they had to cut out. And it just leaves you with this, like, okay, there's some interesting ideas here. But I don't think you spend nearly enough time developing them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I don't know if this was too on the nose. But, so, I was, I had thought. So what, for, what, I'll backtrack. One of the things that I had really liked that they did was how Candyman sort of becomes like reincarnated when there be sort of becomes like an unjust racist killing of a black person who then takes on the persona of Candyman. Like I like that idea. Um, so like I, so like I kind of was going along with the Candyman changes, like depending on what's happening. So what? I had thought, I don't know, maybe it's too on the nose, so they didn't go this route because it was so obvious. But I was kind of expecting them, like, when all those killings started being related to his piece of work, I thought he was going to become a suspect in the murders and therefore would create the next Candyman. Well, that's, like, that is an element of this movie that I feel like is completely missing, which is, like, the police procedural aspect of it. Because, like, you have all these murders that are seemingly related, and it's, like, like nothing... We don't see any sort of, like, law enforcement investigation. Whereas, like, in the first one, the most compelling part is that, like, you know that she is innocent, but that she's being, like, treated as if she's guilty. And, like, that, that is, like, the through line that drives that story forward. Like, you, you want to see how she gets herself out of this because you know that she didn't do any of this. And in this movie... I feel as though there's almost nothing in here that's like would lead you to believe that this guy did not kill these people. Well, well at least from you like, know you know the Candyman legend exists, but other than that, like there's there's nothing to suggest that it, he is not actually just doing it. I just feel like if you if you include that though, you kind of complicate things at the end when he actually becomes the Candyman. Because you know he's innocent. Well, I, I think and it the whole complicates time... things for a different reason, but Well well see if you go that route that adds to what they're talking about, like these unjust black killings that create a, this Candyman. So you think that – because my first thing was you have the, – his his literally his piece of art is being mentioned in the news, like all these killings being related. And like when Candyman kills those girls in the bathroom, he writes the name of the piece. 
So like, how do the police not immediately knocking on his door and being like, we have some questions for you yeah. about these murders and your piece of art. Like, how does that not happen? Heard you got heard you got a little buzzed and got into a public fight with the guy who ended up getting murdered. Heard that you were literally at the apartment of the lady that ended up getting murdered. Not <laughs> but like 10 minutes beforehand. Like there's I just mean, so come many. On. So that's what I'm saying. Like, so you immediately he becomes a suspect. Ultimately, like he gets gunned down because they think he's a suspect and he becomes Candyman. Like that transition into a Candyman makes so much more sense than what we got. Instead, we get uh, Coleman Domingo, just this character that just seems so out of place, who just fast tracks the entire thing. And it's like, well, I don't understand why you would have. <sighs> so the movie seems to be arguing that, like, all of these unjust killings, like, are happening all over the place. And, like, that's these candy are just popping up. And, like, that is their origin. But it, it almost seems like this. Like, is it, like, do you really need to manufacture a reason for him to be killed unjustly? Like, it just seems so superficial. And, like, it just seems like this character is literally only here to cut 30 minutes from the movie so that we can fast track it into this direction. So can can either of you explain to me why he ends up abducting the girlfriend and what, uh... I can't remember the character's name now at this point, but the two leads, like why they end up, like why does that guy from the laundromat fast track to do what he does? Like what is his explanation for that? Well, the girlfriend I can explain, which is that he needs a witness. Someone needs to witness. She needs to witness him being murdered by police so that she can tell the story. That's how the legend spreads. Oh, okay. But like why? He himself spread the legend like he did before. These are all great questions. And also, if people are sh- if people are dying, isn't that proof that Candyman already exists and the legend is continuing? Like, why does he need to create a new one if there's already evidence that people are being murdered mysteriously and he could peg it as Candyman? Yeah, I don't know. My big question is, is like at the end, he- Candyman seems to become some sort of like savior. I, I want to know why. Well, it's it's like a it's a it's more like it's like a physical manifestation of injustice. Okay. So like he needs like so like the Candyman you see at the end, who is Tony Todd, who is the character from the first movie. Why so is it Tony tell, Todd? Tells tell everyone. I don't know why it's Tony Todd at the end. I really don't. I feel like if you just created a new Candyman, <laughs> it should be the new Candyman, right? I would think so, yes. But it's like, <laughs> he says, like, tell everyone. And, like, that's... It almost seems like what Candyman is, is also, like, has also changed in this movie. But I also think what's funny is that, like, there's been years and years of people not believing in a Candyman. So, like, you're kind of full of yourself, Candyman, thinking everyone's just going to automatically believe you now. <clears throat> One thing I do have to say, Tony Todd, great fucking voice. Great oh, yeah. voice. Oh, my gosh. And when I heard him, he was like, tell everyone. I'm like, yeah, you oh. should watch the first movie. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it opens with a quote. It says a lot of innocent. They say I've shed a lot of innocent blood. 
but what's blood but what's blood for if not for shedding a there's a so like, like one of the main criticisms of like the original movie is that like if tony todd was unjustly killed by white people like why is he targeting and killing black people that that, that doesn't really make sense <laughs> Which is a fair criticism that they kind of, like, course-correct in this movie, where this movie literally seems like, hey, look at these terrible white people that we're going to kill because they're bad. And I'm, I am fine with that change. But then it... Then at the end, like... I just have a <laughs> lot of problems with the ending of this movie. Oh, for sure. It's, 100%. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's very confusing. It derails a lot of what came before it. Which is what I mean by, really like, it, it seems to be more focused on its commentary than on the movie actually making sense. Which is why I don't think Us is very good, because that is also what happens at the end of Us. Yeah, the, the ending of Us is where it lost me. So, yeah, it's on par. But I think, like, there could have been a way to blend the two in together. And, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm a better writer than Jordan Peele, but I will say. <laughs> I will say he said as he winks at us. He winked at us, guys. What I'm saying is, like, when you're already building a story about, like, these, like, unjust things, and you're literally present, like, you're building something where this guy, this main character, like, could be unjustly killed very easily, like, his art is connected to these crimes. Like you could easily get to this point. Like I don't, see, I don't, I don't see why they didn't take that route. The only thing I can see is that it's too obvious, so there's no like surprise in that. But I was, I, I guess I can say I was surprised at the ending. I can say that I was surprised at how not well put together it was. <laughs> not that I was surprised things happened as they did. I was just surprised at how shit it was. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so the other thread that made no sense to me was like the girlfriend's like the thread of her girlfriend and the father. I don't get what that has to do with anything. I don't get it either. Yeah, I think there's like one comment about like being attracted to traumatized people or something like that, which. I think I feel like that's in there somewhere to kind of add, I thought, add something to salvage something of that, but but I thought her dad was going to be like a past Candyman or something like that. When I like, first saw like the reference, and then it just I, nothing came of it. That I mean, yeah, right that would have been interesting, <laughs> but like. Okay, so he's stung by the bee, and is it is it not until the first killings happen that like the sting begins to like take over him, or does it happen, or is it happening regardless? I think it's after the first kill it gets worse. Yeah, I also don't understand that part. Why he didn't go to a fucking doctor? He does. Well, how like nope. After his doctor, whole but... arm is destroyed, after his nail yeah. is literally rotting off of his fucking hand. Also, his girlfriend is not that intuitive with him. Like, how do you not notice your partner's hand becoming that decrepit? 
babe, you look like you're losing some muscle mass there. You should probably go to the doctor. It's like that scene in Hitch. You should just give him a bottle of Benadryl. Because <laughs> that's allergies, seasonal allergies, you know, pollen. <laughs> it's killing me. Well, it's also weird how it's like a, it starts as the, the bee sting, but then his arm progresses as if it's like looks like it's burned. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And it gets all those divots. Ugh. That was. I mean, good it was, I mean, yeah, it was kind of definitely like creepy and gross, and there's a couple times you go, Ooh, but Just picking at it. Ooh. Ooh, I hate dude, that stuff. Ooh, digging at it. Oh, Chris, do I got a movie for you then? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that sounds you know very appetizing. Oh, do I got something for you? He's but, just like sitting there at the dinner party, and he's like just aimlessly just like picking at this thing, and then some. What does that lady say to him? He's like, "Oh, you better watch it." Like that's a weird response to somebody who's picking at their scab. Like, hey, you better watch that. <laughs> Maybe it's it's me, but like. I, I feel like this is a, a somewhat similar movie to, like, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is, like, also about gentrification. But, like, it seems, like, weird to make a choice to make a movie that's, like, about, you know, like, gentrification and, like, black people being forced from their neighborhoods and, like, white people coming in and buying it up and making it nicer so that the black people can't afford to live there. But yet that commentary is coming from, like, artsy people that are obviously very affluent. And, like, I, I don't know. Like, that, that commentary just seems off from these characters. Because it's, it's like you're, you're really not being affected by that. Because you are both very successful. Oh, so it was a weird choice to have your, your main stars be rich people? Yeah, I guess I would. I mean, I don't know if they're rich, but, like. He obviously like is an artist and like they're they live in a very nice apartment and like it just seems like weird for that to be your commentary when your the main characters aren't suffering from that. Yeah, I guess it is like sort of like a double edged sword where I guess at it's least weird like in the original them. Candyman, like all of those people are very clearly just like scraping by, trying to get by with what they have. Mm-hmm. And, like, they live in these shithole apartments, and, like, it's, like, it's the white knight woman who's interested in these, like, lowly, like, poor black people. Whereas here is, like, everyone in the movie seemingly just has endless amounts of money to throw around. Why did he have to be an artist? Was there a reason for that? Mm, no. Or was it just because, like, it was just, he just happened to be an artist? Well, I guess artists is in like there's kind of a parallel between the main character and the director, right? Like um, an artist trying to like tell an old story in a new way. That's an interesting thought. So there's kind of that. <laughs> I, mean, I like the lead. I thought he was good. I guess, yeah, I guess what's we spent a lot of time talking about the ending because it kind of does derail itself, but which is a shame because I literally think that the hour leading up to that point, the hour 
an hour 15 leading up to that point is like a lot of fun. Like I, like I love the I don't think there's the- much that's fun about the movie, but it's certainly good. Like it creates like a pretty dreadful like atmosphere. Yeah, like I love the scene like in the art show where he's killing like people. Like I like that scene. I like when he goes to the critic's house and is seeing the re- like his seeing his reflection as Candyman. I think that lasted and- just a tad bit too long. Like how often can you like how long can you wave in front of a mirror and just go with a hook for a hand and be like, oh, so this is like happening. You know? I feel like you don't need that much time to establish that. Um I I liked a lot of like the parallel stuff where you see like the bee. There's like the one scene with the bee on the other side of the mirror and it's like running into it as if it were on the other like mirrored side. Like just just like stuff involving mirrors. I just like stuff involving mirrors because I'm a mirror guy. <laughs> big mirror head. The big mirror guy. I like the sound, especially with the bees. There was at one point when the bees were buzzing and it sounded like somebody laughing, and I was just like, like chill down my spine type shit. I don't do bees anyways though, so maybe that just like hit home for me. Fuck, this is the perfect horror movie for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, you gotta watch the original, man. I feel like I would like the original a little more than this one. Not the, well, the original one's definitely better than this. I just I want I want to like have a side by side comparison, I guess now, but I don't know. Watch them both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have I'll put two TVs next to each other, and I'll just have them both simultaneously running. I want the I want the Candyman sequel, Helen, where at the end of Candyman he like summons Helen by saying her name five times. I want that movie. Who's Helen? Watch the first one. Fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like the response to all my questions, like, dude, just watch the first movie. <laughs> like, go back and watch it. It'll I like through all that, your questions. That also like. That's an interesting point about, like, like in the first one, Helen is trying to prove that Candyman is just a myth, like he doesn't exist, and so he threatens her and basically says, like, his power comes from people believing in him, being afraid of him, and like, mm-hmm. like you, like you said, like no one believes in Candyman anymore, but like all of a sudden, he's like back in full force, even though no one believes in him still. That one guy believed pretty hard. Like that guy, that one guy must believe like a lot. (laughs) 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 He's the one guy powering Santa's sleigh, if you know what I mean. (laughs) He believed in so fucking much. Oh, that's funny. But I love the opening credits, though. Like, I thought that was super creative. Like, like, I like the, how... the paper mache? Uh, like, shadow puppet mind, type stuff? I don't mind the shadow puppets, but there was a lot of it. I love it. No, no, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. It just seemed like very... An interesting way of telling a story. I think what's more interesting about the Sherman guy... was that what, Is that what the first one's name is? Sherwin? The first candy man who was... Sherman. I think what's interesting about his is like 
He's this creepy guy with a hook who's living in the walls and passing out candy. Like, that's a creepy thing in and of itself. You guys didn't have that? <laughs> yeah, we didn't have that. Up? We didn't have that in the UK part. <laughs> Here's a guy with a hook for a hand coming out of walls at kids, giving them candy. And it's like, you're, you're surprised he got shot? Like, I'm surprised one of the tenants didn't shoot him in the face. I can't believe that I'm he's surprised he got walls. shot. That, that, that's, that's a little much. I'm not saying he deserved shot. to die, but like, that's a real creepy scenario. That is very creepy. Very creepy. So you put that guy in Farmington, he's probably going to take a bullet too. Put him up north you know what's Kent. Oh, so Sherwin already had the hook for the hand, so he got so he lucked out there. I think what is interesting is that like so it's a weird qualifier for like having to be the candy man. Like you, you gotta have the hook. That's what I'm saying. Like so in every iteration like in every iteration of the candy man, they're like, Oh well fuck, like I guess we gotta chop off this guy's arm and shove a hook down and otherwise like legend's kinda fucked. No one's gonna believe this guy's real. He doesn't have the hook. Sure, he has a rotting flesh on his body, and there's bees buzzing all around him, and he's got the weird coat with the fur lining at the top, but no hook, dude. You're not legit. When are we gonna You're get, not the When are we gonna get the when are we gonna get the, the hack singing slasher? Whatever it is. The hack slang slasher. Oh my gosh. What's the SpongeBob villain with the the spatula for the hand? Oh, that's a hashing slasher. Yeah, that's there the, you epi- go. the episode where they have that Nosferatu fucking <laughs> picture. Yeah, <laughs> good episode. Yeah, all in all, um, all in all, I liked it. Um, you know, there's there's some moments that shined and some moments that just did not so that's why it's a 3.5 out of 5 for me zach it's a it's a three for me i'll go three all right let's move on um zach or chris you didn't watch it but or did you get a chance to watch malignant no i didn't you had a pretty good review zach of it on letterbox here what so you oh, liked i loved it, it. i loved, loved it really Oh, it's so good. I wouldn't say I hated it, but I'm I'm surprised to hear you say you loved it. Is it just the schlockiness of it that was really what won you over? Yeah, it's pure schlock. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's like... I'm honestly surprised that this hasn't come out before, to tell you the truth. There's a... I gotta admit, like at the beginning, I was like, this is gonna be rough. Like it had like it basically felt like a insidious seven, like conjuring six movie. I yeah. was like, I really don't like this. But then like when you like it starts like going along and then you just like start thinking about like there are just very like glaring things to me that were like this is weird. So, like, for starters, like, there's, like, in, like, one of, like, the opening scenes, 
or it's the scene like right after the husband dies. Spoiler: it's like in the first ten minutes of the movie, but like whatever. So there's like the husband dies, and it's like the police show up, and it's like the most smoke I've ever seen ever outside of a house, like fog. And it's like what? What the fuck is going on here? Like, that seems a little excessive. But then it's just like little things like that throughout the entire movie that like at a certain point I was like, okay, like James Wan's fucking with us. Like he made a he made Aquaman, which made a billion fucking dollars. And then so Warner Brothers was just like, do whatever you want. And he just made like forty million dollars of pure schlock. And I don't amazing. think I even what the fuck is schlock? It's just like it's just like uh, cheese, like cheesy, just like ridiculous shit that like you would have found in like trying to. It's like, like not you'd find trying in like the seventies and eighties, like those like horror movies are basically just schlock. Okay. Friday the Thirteenth Part Six is schlock. It's just kind of like over the top stereotypical horror movie shit. It's so over the top that it's absurd. I'm cool. So with Chris, it. De- definition of schlock for you, real quick: cheap or inferior. But, like, it can be good, right? So it's glor- – typically, no. Typically, no? they're always terrible, but they're appreciated for, like, how terrible they are. So it's like yeah. cheese. It's like when you guys say something has a whole lot of cheese. Pretty much, yeah. Chris, okay. I think we should just – we'll just go ahead and lay out the plot for you, and then you'll understand how ridiculous it is. Okay. It's pretty ridiculous. So – so the movie opens with this woman. She's coming home from work. She is visibly pregnant, and her husband, who seems like an asshole, like that's they get into an argument. That's not how it. That's not how it opens. It opens. Okay, well, it opens in the, in the at hospital. that facility, but whatever. That comes in later. Okay, fair enough. So the husband like starts yelling at her and like blames her for like her miscarriages and like that she won't give him a kid oh my fucking gosh that's awful and he like takes he like takes her head and like throws it off the wall and she like has like bleeding from like the back of her head but what she does not know that happens is that when the her head is bounced off the wall it awakens this demon that lived in her brain (laughs) Or it like, wasn't a, so it wasn't a demon. It was she was born with a parasitic twin on her back. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Like Professor Quirrell from the Sorcerer's Stone. Does she have the like the back of the head? Head. Uh, at the yeah. end of the movie, well, she does. Fuck <laughs> off! Seriously? So yeah. like, gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Does this she wear, I mean, like, like, does she wear, like, the bandana around her head well, or something to cover it up? Well, well so, so like, what this, happened this was... A, that's a mystery. Like, this is, like, these murders are happening, and they can't really figure out why. But this girl is related to them somehow because she's, like... When the murders happen, she gets visions of them happening. And so she's, like, I don't understand why I'm seeing this. Like, what's going on? And, like, the reason that she's seeing it is because it's her parasitic twin committing the murders so do they physically share the same body as in she is the one committing the murders with okay okay 
Yeah, dude. So there's this crazy scene in a in a jail cell where like you figure out what's happening, and so like that's all, that's so she's one like, of the things that were like like this is like the one of those things that it doesn't make any sense because like it's the biggest fucking jail cell I've ever seen in my entire life, and like <laughs> the police station is the it's just like it's basically just a warehouse floor. It's like so, so wide open and like just the craziest like layouts and set constructions so, I've ever seen. So Chris, sorry for our listening audience who hasn't seen this, but this is all for Chris. So just fast forward <laughs> if you don't give a shit. So there's so there's this scene right where okay so in, early in the movie this woman gets this woman gets abducted, and it's in they're being held in some mysterious location. You have no idea where it is. And it's revealed that she's in the main character's home. So she's been oh held gosh. kidnapped in this woman's attic. And so the police so the police now think that the main character is the one responsible for all this. So they arrest her and take her to this jail cell. So while she's in this jail cell, like, awaiting, there's all these, like, rough women that are, like, fucking with her and, you know, roughing her up. And so what happens is she essentially goes comatose. And all of her limbs start breaking backwards. And then the back of her head splits open, and it's revealed that, like, she's this crazy killer. So, like, that demon's, like, face comes out of the back of her skull, and her limbs are all distorted and twisted around. And it just, like, runs around and is just violently murdering everybody. That sounds incredible. And then she moves into the police station where she, like, murders everyone in there as well. And this, like, she's in, like, this leather trench coat and it's like it's like the matrix but better <laughs> <laughs> fucking gosh dude this it's, sounds it's, cool. it's it's a wild movie my fucking gosh what does the demon look like <sighs> is it just her with red eyes and black makeup no you know what? i don't remember it looks like, I don't know, it doesn't look like anything that weird looking. I'm going to Google it. It's pretty standard. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't really remember. But yeah, there, there was definitely some like James Wan-esque stuff in the beginning where I was like, please don't tell me it's going to be a lot of orbiting cameras and like overhead views going across rooms. I like that stuff. Really? I'm not a big fan of it. Most of like the action sequences are shot in wides and just continuous takes. Did you find a picture of the creature, Chris? Interesting. Yeah, it's pr- it's pretty uh it's pretty wild. Sounds down It was man. definitely It was very unexpected. How long is it? What I thought it was going to be. It's almost two hours. Yeah, oh, it, sounds, it does feel a little long. That sounds like a trudge, dude. It's a little long. But Chris, I had told you that I had a body about a bar, body horror movie for you. Yeah. Picking picking at things. Is this it? So this is the one I texted you guys about yesterday that I went and saw. I don't think you had heard of it. I knew Zach had heard of it. It's called T-Tain. I think it's how you pronounce it. How do you spell it? 
T-I-T-A-N-E. So it's French for titanium. Is that the girl? Is that the one about the girl who fucks a car or some shit? You have heard of it. Yes. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not watching this thing ever. Chris, there's some body manipulation shit in that that would make your skin crawl. Why are movies getting so fucking weird? Like this movie and then that Lamb movie that's coming out. I can't wait. That's playing next weekend here. I can't wait. <laughs> I don't fucking get it. What I'm happened? So excited. To, what happened to fucking Indiana Jones type shit? Why are we now getting ladies fucking cars? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spoil anything about the movie because it's a, it's a wild ride. So it's directed by I can't I don't I can't remember the name woman's name. I know her first name's Julia. I can't pronounce her last name. It's French, but she did the movie Raw that had come out a couple years ago about a, a girl who becomes a cannibal after she goes to like this veterinary school. And that one kind of had some moments that makes your skin crawl. And this one definitely had some stuff where I was like squirming in my seat. And like the guy in front of me too was also like, Ooh, oh, oh. So when you watched comes- this in a theater? Yes, I did. Okay. Was this your first time back to the theater? No. I've seen Old in the theater. I've seen The Green Knight in the theater. I've seen Titane now. Um, I saw okay. Candyman in the theater. Candyman was my first time back to the theater, and it just confirms that I hope theaters die. Why? I can't imagine <laughs> there was too many people in the theater. So, I went... And our there was me, so it was me and Autumn, another couple, a group of three that sat in front, and then two people behind us. That was all that was in the theater. That's like six, seven people. But the people that were behind us, it was very clear that this was like a first date type scenario. So they were just asking like, oh, so what do you study at school? Oh, what do you do here? What do you do for work? And it's like, if you're on a first date with someone, the idea being to get to know them, why would you take them to a place where the literal idea is to shut the fuck up and watch something? It's so that they get scared, Zach, and they cuddle up next to each other. And next thing you know, it ain't just popcorn at the bottom of the popcorn bucket. You know what I'm saying, Zach? Do that at home. There's plenty of movies to watch on Netflix or anywhere <laughs> else that you can do that shit. <laughs> It just makes no sense. Like, hey, you want to get to know each other? Perfect. Let's go to a place where we're supposed to be silent. And like, I, I, I just have a feeling that movies has always been like that. As f- and I can't wait for them to die and not exist anymore. Um, I'm not as bitter about the situation as you clearly are. I lost internet. But I, but I. I mean, I typically try to get show times that I don't have anybody in them. Yeah, like, go to matinees, dude. Actually, no, don't go to matinees. That's usually when, like, the, in my experience, the old talkative ladies go. Yeah, I know. I sat next to them when I saw A Star is Born. <laughs> like, oh, my God, that, that Bradley Cooper. The only and, thing like, I'm at really... the end of the movie, they were, like, crying. 
that see the best part is when you get to see old people walk out because you they just can't handle it. Oh, speaking of Candyman, someone someone brought their like seven year old to Candyman and they like had to leave the theater. I'm like, what the fuck were you expecting? Wait, wait, so like somebody came in and made them leave the theater? What'd you say, Chris? Somebody came in and made them leave the theater? No, no, no. Like the kid obviously got scared and the whole family had to take the kid out. What the fuck are you you expecting? (laughs) There were like seven. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) 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 Fucking get over it. Grow up. But anyways, you get, I love watching old people walk out because I love seeing what's the borderline of them. Like, what's too much for them? What makes them want to just leave? Because <laughs> I think I've told the story about how the old couple walked out of waves. Yes, and I had a, an old couple walk out for when I saw The Shape of Water. I, yeah, see, it's just like, what? It's like, what do you hate? What do you a, like? That's a pretty normal movie with a weird concept. What? Like, Shape of Water. Shape of Water is, like, it's a weird idea, but the execution of the movie doesn't make it seem like it's a weird idea. So I don't understand do you, why somebody would walk out. Do you want to know the that. exact point at which they walked out? I, I have an idea. But is it when tell me. some some oral when, sex or whatever? Uh, it's when, like, the creature stands up and is, like, revealing his genitals. Or, like, just, like, revealing that he's rock hard for this mute girl. And these people were, like... This is not what I signed up for. And they got up and, like, left. It is what you signed up for. <laughs> it's exactly what you signed up for if you paid for yeah, the fucking ticket. Who doesn't go into that movie and not expect these two people to fuck? Like, oh, come on. <laughs> these people, like... And fucking mer person. Yeah, the, uh, come on. Like, they're gonna fuck. Did I ever fuck. tell you guys about when I saw Silence in theaters, the Martin Scorsese movie? No, no. no. Uh, so a I, the movie was presented in the wrong aspect ratio, which sucks. That's a two-hour and forty-five-minute movie. Like half of I'm the sure movie was leave. off the screen. I would have left. And but like, but like an hour, probably like an hour and forty-five minutes into the movie, like it's a. Have you guys seen the movie? No. Yeah, I've seen Silence. Yeah, probably not so going to see it. You know that it's a very you, slow movie. Very slow. Yes, deliberately slow. And so an hour and 45 minutes or so into the movie, you know, there's this old, like, old couple like in front of me. And they're like, the guy looks at her. He was like, we've been here for an hour and a half already. You think anything's going to fucking happen? (laughs) (laughs) The woman's like, I don't don't know, but he was like, yeah, let's just go. And so they got up and left. I feel like if you're an hour 45 in, you like you have to commit at that point, don't you? I you're think you're cutting your losses. <laughs> I gosh. wanted to do what they did, but I was like, no, I'll see it through to the end. Did you ultimately not like the movie, Zach? Yeah, no, I didn't care for it. I've only seen the ones. I don't really remember a lot about it. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a long one. <laughs> Dude, what's surprising though? Movie. The Irish. When I went and saw The Irishman in theater with my friend Jay, 
almost we were like the old the two youngest guys. Everybody else was like super old and they all fucking loved it. Most because that's a recipe for success. You have Martin Scorsese and you have fucking illegal mafia activity. That's true. Adam Driver and uh, Andrew Garfield were weren't cutting it. No. People saw know, Liam Neeson and they were like, oh, this might be pretty good. If I was like an older person, I would probably think twice about like watching like a really long movie like that. Because it's like, you know, how many hours do you really have left? And like you're going to use like four of them to watch. <laughs> the Irishman? Yeah. So really what I'm saying is that guy that walked out of silence, he was the smart one. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was like, I ain't got much time left, and I'm not wasting another hour on this piece of shit, and just left. <laughs> I don't know how you got to the Irishman in theaters. I, I, had, I think I took, what? like, I think I watched it in two sittings, so. Yeah. I, I don't know how you watched the Irishman in theaters. I remember, like, before I watched the Irishman, I Googled, what's a good stopping point in the Irishman? <laughs> You're slut. I did, dude. I didn't want to watch the whole thing from beginning to end. I saw something. Wasn't there like an article where someone had broken it down into like three parts? You could watch it as like a mini series. I think it was five. There was like five stopping points. Oh god, that's so gross. And it's pretty much like every forty minutes. I mean, that adds up. Yep. All of that to say. Chris, watch T-Tain when it comes out, because it's going to make your skin crawl. There's no fucking way you get me to watch that. There's no way. It's weird. It might be one of the weirdest movies I've seen. Just quickly think real quick, guys. What's the one of the weirdest movies you've seen? The One of the weirdest movies I've seen? Yeah, let's just say like the imagery on screen is just so bizarre and weird, you're just processing what you're watching. Fantastic Planet? Uh, okay. Oh, uh, House? That Japanese movie? How, okay, that one's that's a good one. What'd you say, Chris? VHS. Okay. There's some bizarre stuff in that movie. Yeah, T-Tain's got some... Holocaust. <laughs> it has some imagery that I don't... I don't get it. I'll be straight up. I don't get it. But... And then, like, I read a thing with the director, and I'm like, okay, I guess I see how you get that, but I never would have saw that. Not a six out of five. Oh, no, not a six out of five for me. Maybe, you know, if I had to put a star rating, I'm like a, I don't know, maybe I'm like a three and a half or a four, but, like, I think that's unfair because that's not the kind of movie that's supposed to be like it's intentionally not supposed to be that straightforward like clearly playing with like the imagery and like body horror and like have that there being meaning behind that body horror and some other things so no not a six out of five but definitely an interesting watch i'm trying to think of like the movies coming out in like the rest of the year. Like I maybe mean, this maybe this is only a one six out of five year. I'm kind of excited for things to come. We got well last night in Soho, we've got Dune, which say what you will about 
what you think it's gonna be. It's like something I'm, I'm excited to see. I saw one of the best memes I've seen in a long time, and it said, uh, "It said Dune is Star Wars for people who listen to Tool," and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So you got no time to die. November. Yeah, no time to die. I'm excited for that. Licorice Pizza. What do you keep mumbling over there? You got West Side Story, you know what I'm saying? Like that comes oh, out oh, next. I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen shit for that. Like no advertising or anything. Yeah, it's gonna oh, be you know what, actually? It's so, gonna be bad. Directions. So fucking the best part about seeing Candyman in theaters was that I was forced to watch the Halloween Kills trailer. And that movie looks fucking insane. Yeah, right. I can't wait. What I think is going to be really interesting, especially if they play with the idea of, like, the more Michael Myers kills, like, the more, like, of this evil entity that he becomes. Because it seems like there's a lot of hacking and slashing in this. It's supposedly the last time Jamie Lee Curtis will play Laurie Schrode on screen. I can hope so. Which will lead us to believe that she's going to die in this movie because it's been a confirmed trilogy. Hmm. Interesting. Or maybe she just goes to vacation to the Caribbean or something. Oh, wait. Okay, correction. You said that for last time she plays Laurie Strode. So will she play the, sh- the figure? I guess we'll see. Does she become that reincarnation of evil? Oh, that would be something, Chris, huh? But then that would mean Mike Myers has to die. Well, maybe Mike Myers is just like a pseudonym. Maybe just like an entity of evil is Mike Myers. Like how James Bond is just a pseudonym. That would be so stupid. Like how Candyman is a pseudonym. Candyman. Candyman is a mystical fucking mystical fucking being that Michael, transfers from Michael one person Myers. to another. Who's to say that Michael Myers isn't like that? If if Michael Myers turns out to be a mystical being, then I feel like the whole idea of Michael Myers is just ruined because well, I feel like a I lot of what the, makes him scary is based in reality. Well, you got to go back to the original one, right? Like where I think his name, I think the credited title is like The Shadow or the, what is it, Zach? It's The Shape. The Shape. <laughs> so even in the original he wasn't michael myers yeah i guess so but like he became more than just a shape you know so i mean i think right off the bat you're sort of already opening the book that there's like an entity of sorts like not human i would perhaps say michael myers is perhaps michael myers is the person that the shape you know possessed if you will if we got how many movie Halloween movies are we deep now? Zach? Uh, 10, 12? This is, I think... Yeah, we're probably in like 11 or 12. If we got 11 to 12 movies in, and then finally it was just like, oh yeah, by the way, Mike Myers is just a, 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 a puppet. <laughs> Imagine how much of a ripoff that would be to all the movies before it. Maybe not like a few of them, because a few of them are just fucking ridiculous, but... Honestly, I wouldn't be that disappointed because I'm watching these movies to see how people are killed, 
not for anything else, really. At this point, I guess that makes sense. There's just too many to continue plot at this point of him chasing down the same fucking person. Now, I will say one movie that I'm really not excited for is French Dispatch. Yeah, I don't care. I I think I'm out on Wes Anderson. He's too. I think, I think I'm officially out. He's too stylistic. Like you can he's watch him like, so many times. I think he's like too cutesy now. I think he's just like, oh, I'm Wes Anderson, and this is my little stick and um, Im- perfect imagery. He's perfected it too much to where when he, when he follows that guideline too much, it just kind of gets lost on it. There, it just seems too much at this point. I've rewatched. I tried to rewatch Isle of Dogs and I actually turned it off. I hated it. So I think that's when uh that's I think that's when the love was gone. Isle of Dogs. Yep. I can't say that I've ever really loved him, but I still I bet like he's one of those people that like I've seen all of his movies, but I never really get the desire to like go back and watch them again. For sure. Like, the only thing that only is, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I do love that movie. It's also so short, so it's so, so such a sweet little runtime. There's three, I, I like. Life Aquatic and Grand Budapest. I think I've only seen all of them once. See, I just think, like, Bottle Rockets, like, I don't mind it, but, like, I still think it's slow, kind of dull. I think Grand Budapest is super slow and dull. The Darjeeling Limited is like the epitome of dull and slow. Yeah, that one's awful. Um, I really did not care for what's the uh what's the one about the kid in the school? Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that great. Like, I I don't know. I missed out. I mean, Moonrise Kingdom I kind of liked, but that even one then, like, was so fucking dry to me. <laughs> It was okay, so dry. It's been so long since I've seen it. Like, maybe I'd feel that way now. I remember liking it at the time, but I think what he does is interesting. Like I'm not going to discount. I'm not going to like not give him credit where it's due. I just it's like one of those guys where like, I'm committed. I'm like pot committed. I'm like gonna see his stuff, but it's only to like reaffirm that I still hate him. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that would even do it. For- Still hate him. You're not supporting him. You're just supporting your hatred of him. Yeah. I mean, either way, I think that, like, as it goes, his movies are just, like, less and less accessible. Like, his movies are definitely becoming more like they're made for Wes Anderson fans, and anyone else probably just won't like it. Yeah. I also think, like, his dry humor stick, like, I guess that's the problem with dry humor. It either works or it doesn't. And when it doesn't, it's painful. I mean, I feel like he's trying to break away a little bit because this next one's an anthology, right? He seems like he's trying to spice things up, just not in the right way. Because I don't think the problem is story structure. I think the problem is execution. This is deliberate. It's just his technique, how he visually does things. It's all, you know. A lot of visual gags and like repetition. His his humor is like rep like repetition of things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Ugh. 
Um, but I don't know. Matrix Resurrections, you guys excited? No. No. Okay. Um, I was never a big Matrix guy. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge Ridley Scott fan, but The Last Duel has me somewhat intrigued, I'll say. Is that the one with Matt Damon? Yes, and Adam Driver, I think. I don't actually know what that is. And the House of Gucci, like, I don't know. We'll see about that one, but that could be interesting. I'm excited for that strictly for Lady Gaga and hopes that she sings. I figured you'd be into that, yeah. Um, yeah, it should be an interesting rest of the year. We'll see. How's the, uh, what are the reviews like for the many saints of Newark? Saw it last night. Oh, are you tell us about it? Uh, no, because I figured that you guys would want to watch it on your own, and I didn't want to release any information. Uh, one thing I will say, big spoiler for the TV show in the first 30 seconds. Okay. Did you confirm that Tony's dead? I cannot confirm or deny anything. Okay, yeah, so wink if they confirm that Tony Soprano dies. I, 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 like, I literally can't. Like, it does not allude to anything at all. So then uh, how is okay. there a big spoiler? Yeah, does, it start with the, does it start with the ending of the TV show? I haven't seen the ending of the TV show. I've what only the fuck two is the spoiler? So how do you know it's a spoiler? I'm not going to tell you. I, trust me, you know it's a spoiler. I've to never seen the show. Of, a very big part of the TV show. I've never seen the show, so. You will know it's a spoiler if you've seen, like, the first. Just say what episodes. happens. Is the, right, does it open with, does it I'm open with Tony Soprano? I'm putting a disclaimer on this right now to everybody. I am going to release a plot point of The Sopranos show that is a huge momentous occasion in the show based on the importance of certain characters. So if you don't want to listen, fast forward. The beginning 30 seconds. Oh, my God. I'm going to start. Starting now. The beginning 30 seconds, you pan in on Christopher and his gravestone. Oh. Who's Christopher? He's um he's one of like the main characters of the TV show. You can so and he literally expresses how he dies within those first like thirty to forty five seconds. Okay, but he did, so he was alive in the show and he's dead in this movie. He was alive in the show, expresses that he died in the show, and then is then narrating the movie. Oh, this doesn't mean it, this doesn't mean anything to me. No, yeah, no. I, if if they were going to like mess with the ending of the Sopranos, then I would be like, mm, no, they didn't. I don't they know didn't. About this. As far as I know, they didn't touch that. Because Alyssa, that's like the big the big thing is like, is Tony did Tony Soprano die at the end of the Sopranos? Yeah, and like me and Alyssa like went to see it, and she's seen the entirety of the show, and she wasn't clear on that, so I'm assuming that it's not stated. What his death? Like, his status at the end. But there is I, also... I would also say that, like, if you're... I get that what you're saying. Like, yeah, that is a pretty big spoiler because he's alive for most of the show. Yes. But I would also say, like, it's a show about mob men. So if you don't think any of them could die at any moment, you're kind of stupid. And yeah, but you don't I would want also say, I would also say that, like, this movie is probably really only for fans of the TV show anyways. It is. And so they probably, they probably will have already have seen all of the Sopranos probably countless times. So it's, I'll tell you what, unless, 
unless we're going to review it, I probably won't see it. I would prefer not to review this movie. I would rather review Venom 2. Fine with me. Fine with me. It's so Chris, October. There's literally nothing else better than Venom 2. So, Chris, you can tell us all about uh, all about the many saints of Newark, then. All right. Um, so this movie is specifically tailored to people who have seen the entirety of the TV show because it draws upon its source material very heavily. And it doesn't focus on Tony Soprano as much as you would want. It focuses on um, Dickie. I can't remember his last name, but Chris's dad. Like, he's the main character of this movie. But oh. indirectly, it shows how Tony becomes involved in the business. So it's about, like, it hints at the TV show, but it tries to be its own thing. Wait, wait. so it is about Tony's. It is about Tony Soprano? It's just how he became Tony Soprano? No, that's just like a little thing you get through Dickie's story. Like Dickie? Dickie is like the person who got Tony into the business. Oh, that's even lamer than what I thought this was about. Yeah. So Tony, don't get me wrong. Tony's in this story and (laughs) James Gandolini's son plays him. I don't think that well, but. um, So why? Okay. Time out. Why did this movie need to be made? Again? Oh, okay. Just checking. It literally did not need to be made at all. When did the Sopranos make a comeback that it would be hot? Or is this trying to bring back the Sopranos? I would say the Sopranos started getting get started getting pretty big like a couple years ago. There's a lot of like people like coming out and like rewatching the Sopranos and like hailing it as the greatest TV show of all time. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it came like around like when Game of Thrones was at like the height. And people were like, Game of Thrones is the best TV show of all time. I think The Sopranos started regaining traction of like, no, this is the best TV show of all time. I see. Every single time there's a show that's absolutely astronomical, <laughs> The Sopranos gets a little more popular. Like well, the same thing happened, I think, when Breaking Bad was like at its peak. I'll put that hmm. to bed right now. Like Breaking Bad doesn't touch The Sopranos. No, and I don't doubt it. But like any time a show hits that like that second stratosphere of like worldwide phenomenon or even just like United States phenomenon, the Sopranos gets brought back up again. Cause it's almost like undisputed that it's one of the greatest TV shows, if not the greatest TV show of all time. I thought people dubbed the wire as the greatest TV show of all time. People really like the wire and pe- people like, there's only like three TV shows I know of that people compare as the greatest. And it's the wire the Sopranos, and oddly enough, I've seen people compare Seinfeld. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, I get it, but come on, it's two, it's two different things. Fuck off. So anyways, um, The Many Saints of Newark. The Many Saints of Newark. Um, the acting is bad. It, it's like bad, bad. See, that was they the sh- thing for me, where like, the big deal was Oh, like James Gandolfini's son is going to play, like, young Tony Soprano, which is a cool idea, but at the same time, it's like, that doesn't guarantee that he's any good of a fucking actor, like, just no. because he's James Gandolfini's son. There's his just char- going to be a likeness to them. Well, my thing is, is that his character is insignificant enough to where he's serviceable. He get, he gets Tony's mannerisms down, like, his kind of, like, posture and, like, all that's, like, his physically... 
he looks like Tony Soprano. The costuming is awful, but they really want you to know it's the 70s. <laughs> I got that vibe from the trailer. Yeah, like there's a point in time where Tony Soprano is wearing fucking bell-bottom <laughs> jeans. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, come on. Would Tony really wear bell-bottom jeans? Like, be honest. I don't know. I just look bad. Um, but like, like you said, it was a movie that didn't need to be made. And a lot of the material was specifically tailored towards those who've seen the show before. So it just didn't really make sense to have it made in the first place. Like it didn't, it didn't need to be a cinematic feature. It could have just easily have been an HBO movie. Mm. Thank you for Thank I mean, it's on saying... HBO, but like it's in cinema, it's in the movie theaters, so. Yeah, but I, I assumed it was an HBO production since they own the rights to The Sopranos. It's in association with HBO. Huh. Well, all right. Or, at least that's what it said when the credits were rolling. Hmm. Well, thank you, Chris, for saving me that. Yeah, I probably won't watch it now. Yeah, I definitely won't watch it now. Mm. You're welcome. Zach, you got anything that you watched? Um, I re I got like two things. Uh, I rewatched mm-hmm. all three seasons of the Newsroom. We'll fucking love that oh, show, nice. except for the third season. I was that's what I was gonna say. Like, the first season of that show. Is phenomenal. Yeah. That is a great show. And then mm. it just progressively gets worse. Like I still think the second season's quite good, but the third season's like, ugh. They take it in a like, really weird direction. Any? What's your? What was your reasoning for rewatching? Just wanted to. I just I watched. I saw like some clips someone had shared, of like the opening scene of like the pilot where like. Jeff Daniels, oh, yeah. like, goes off. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's a great show. So I started watching it. And it's just, like, I think the problem that I have is, like, as it progresses, none of the characters, like, have, like, none of the characters are, like, distinct. They all basically, like, I can just look at them, like, okay, yes, you're Aaron Sorkin. Like, they all are, like, they all have, like, these, like, quippy comebacks and they all like are fast talking like super intelligent like they all every character by the end of the show basically sounds the same they all talk the exact same way and it's like See, that's yes, interesting you're aaron sorkin so it seems like shows about news people then like every character is really smart and really quippy because rachel and i are watching the morning show which is the apple tv plus show yeah and it's a lot like that. All the characters are like obviously very intelligent and like very fast talking and very quippy. And everybody's gonna come back for everything. Like nobody's left speechless by anything. I don't understand why people think intelligent people are always the ones who are talking the most. Well, I don't, like, understand, I don't understand why people why like. I also feel like it, like this. It, it, it seems to idealize the news. Which is like, yes, the news are these very smart people who are telling you unbiased information. And it's just funny to watch that in 2021 because it's so not what the news is. And, like, you don't have to be, like, this smart person with an intense knowledge of 
uh, like the law and his and United States history to be a news anchor. Where like right now it's it's literally based on like can you draw an audience like how popular are you? Okay, perfect. We'll put you on the eight o'clock slot on CNN. Like, so that is the cool thing about the morning show because that is what it's about. Like, how well can you how well can you brand yourself? And I would and say like that how you would say what? No, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say that like I would say that that's what the first season of the newsroom is about, just from like a counter argument. Well, no, it. it Will McAvoy, the Jeff Daniels character, like cares about numbers, like he cares about having an audience. But at the end of the day, like it's very much not about that. It's about like we're going to tell people the truth and like we're not going to do stupid news stories. We're not going to cover Casey Anthony like we're going to do real news. And like it, it definitely has this air of pretentiousness to it. And like. But I I think that's true of all of Aaron Sorkin's work. I just think like, and and I, like this is something that like once I watched the newsroom, I wanted to watch The West Wing, so I watched The West Wing and like oh, saw The West Wing so dry. The West Wing is I think very entertaining for a time, and then once you get to a point, it just kind of repeats on itself. Because, like, the episodes, they follow a general plot, but it's the plot isn't developing fast enough for you to maintain interest for the long term. Um, but with this show, like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they did it as a mini, like, a limited series. I just wish they would have just known when to stop. Was it intended to be a limited series and they drew it on? No, it, it like, each season increasingly lost viewership, so they just canceled it after three. I gotcha. Believe it or not, like I have a feeling most people like don't care about shows about a newsroom. Yeah, I mean some of the behind the scenes stuff, that's kind of what interested me about that show and what's currently interesting me about the morning show is like a lot of like just the behind the scenes stuff. Like in the behind the scenes drama and that's always been interesting to me. Uh, then the last thing I watched was Borat. Nice. <laughs> Such a change of pace. I haven't seen Borat since it came out in 2008. Really? So, like, yeah, I, I have not rewatched Borat once. Hmm. And, I mean, there's definitely, because in 2008 I was 12. So, like, to a 12-year-old, that movie's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Hey, spoiler to a 26-year-old when I watched it, it was fucking hilarious. No, it, it is still very funny, but there's definitely things that I, like, that definitely went over my head as a 12-year-old that I did not understand. <laughs> and, like, I think, the, like, the most fascinating part about this movie was noticing, like, when it was hidden camera. And, like, so, like, one of the opening scenes after he comes to America is, like, him on a subway, and then it cuts... It's cutting like in and out of footage that's just like super grainy and like it's very clearly like a camera that's on someone's jacket somewhere and that they're filming just raw reactions from people and of him like just trying to kiss them on the cheek and like that stuff is so funny because it's just these genuine reactions of these guys like threatening to kick the shit out of him like that stuff's pretty good and then like things that went over my head like one of his news like segments in Kazakhstan is then like the running of the Jews 
and it's like all these people running and there's this big Jew monster that's like chasing them. And it's like, holy shit. There's no way that you can do this today. <laughs> it's so wild. And then I still think that it's hilarious. Like his his panel like discussion that he has like with feminists and it's like we believe that women are equal to men and he just starts laughing. And then like <laughs> It's it's like clear that like these people are not I think that's the best part of this movie compared to like the sequel, which is like it's very clear in this movie that these people are not in on the joke. And like in the sequel, like Borat was such a phenomenon that it's like it's hard to believe that they wouldn't be in on the joke already. For sure. And so like this is like when he has like the driving instructor and he's like getting his license and he like sees some girl and he's like oh like should we should we follow her to have sexy time and he's like no like in america like you have to have consent like women get to choose have the, who they have sex with and he's like what you joke <laughs> i just can't imagine being the people like that are listening to this shit like imagine somebody coming up to you and like saying that just as sasha baron cohen does it's it's it'd be a hoot didn't that driving instructor sue, so sue them? It's funny to believe that. Wait, yeah, didn't that driving know. instructor sue them? I don't know. I thought I'd heard that. Uh, um, the only other thing... Jackass yeah. 4, though. Yeah, the other thing that I watched, which Chris has a poster hanging up on his wall that belongs to Zach, <laughs> I rewatched Inherent Vice. Um, it's always good to watch it every couple years just to remind myself that I still don't really get what it's about, but I like watching it type of thing. And there's always Thomas Pynchon. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's, I guess it kind of reminds me of like, uh, the big Lebowski in the sense that it's all going to work out regardless of what the dude does. It's going to work out regardless of what. Um, the fuck is his name? Um, Doc Sportello. Doc, thank you, Doc. It's, it's all gonna work out despite what Doc does. So the best thing that I have heard about Inherent Vice is Paul Thomas Anderson said that whenever he read a Thomas Pynchon book, it felt like Thomas Pynchon always knew something that the audience didn't, and that's the that's the feeling he wanted to capture. And that's definitely what Inherent Vice is. It definitely feels like someone knows something that they're not letting you in on. And so you're just watching the movie over and over again trying to figure out what that is. Like that being the director knows something you don't know? Or a character knows yeah, something no, you don't no, no. know? Paul Thomas Anderson knows something that he's not letting you in on. And you want to be in on it. So you keep watching it over and over and over again. I would agree with that. Because it does. there are moments where it feels like... You're about to, like, put the pieces together, and then it, like, shifts. And then you're like, wait, fuck, I was so close, Paul Thomas Anderson. And now I can't connect those. That's a good description. I like that. Well, like, it is still, like, a fun ride, I guess. I do like just spending time with those characters, and the relationship between Bigfoot and Doc is the best. (laughs) And everything was like, I don't know, just like their back and forths and 
like, Monte Penacaco! <laughs> that movie has, like, things that you watch and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, when Bigfoot at the end comes in and just, like, eats all of Doc's weed and just chews it up and... <laughs> yeah, like, things like that are, like, I love the scene with him eating the, the chocolate-covered banana. Um, I think it's also good too. It, it it does sort of feel like you're. It does sort of have the feel of like this drug trip in a way, where like things seem to just like meander into each other, sort of like perfect, like sort of perfectly. And there's like it's like it's missing like this transition period that might be like how like a drug trip would be, where like. You're here and then you're there, and there's like no, it doesn't matter how you got there, you're just like there, and that's what's important. Like, that kind of feels like that, too. I love the Martin Short scene. Yeah, that's pretty like random and bizarre and super out there. Would you like some cocaine? I shouldn't, I'm on the job. It's like, you sure? Well, just to be social. Yeah, there's, like, just ra- these random scenes that seem like they don't, like, they add something, but they add nothing. And like I said, you're just sort of stumbling along through the story the way Doc is, and it all sort of works out, and it's just like, okay, cool, I'm glad that worked out. Let's just keep doing what we were doing. How do you think Licorice Piece is going to be? I'm nervous. I am, too. We'll see. I haven't watched the trailer for it. Have you guys? <clears throat> Official runtime, 100 minutes. So he's under two hours. Okay. Is that a bad thing? <clears throat> I mean, thing. all I know is that it's about, like, this kid in high school who was, like, a child actor. Yeah, wants to be an actor. Played by Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Not so Philip I can tell Seymour you. Hoffman. Yeah, his son. Philip Seymour Hoffman in high school. <clears throat> yep. No, his his son is playing the lead role. Well, I assumed Philip Seymour Hoffman wasn't playing the role. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I'm nervous. I'm I'm still convinced that's not a very good title. Well, I can tell you for sure it's not a very. This is a weird year for titles. There's stupid titles this year. What else you got? Gunpowder milkshake. Okay. Licorice pizza. Yeah. I guess that's it. (laughs) (laughs) What a stupid fucking year. (laughs) I just, I'm waiting for this one to get over so I can see Paul Thomas Anderson make another serious movie. Like another drama. Because that's what I want. Like, I'm sure it'll be good. I'm just... Have you ever considered that it's not what Paul Thomas Anderson wants, Chris? Yeah, I understand that Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't want to make another fucking Phantom Thread, The Master, or There Will Be Blood, but those are his three best movies. I'm sure those movies, like, take a lot out of them, though. I'm sure they do. It takes a lot of planning. It takes, But then he makes, like, these funny movies, you know? Then he does, like... He does fucking uh, the Boogie Nights, this, and then he does the fucking Punch Drunk Love, and... The, the fuck's the other one? Magnolia. 
Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Magnolia, though. So That movie's pretty funny. Hard eight. I just want a serious one. Because he's so fucking good at those. Like, the caliber of movie he does between the movies that are funny and the movies that are, like, dramas are, are just, like, there's a big difference. Chris, let's be honest. You know you're going to give this movie a 6 out of 5. It's got Bradley Cooper in it. Like, I mean, like, I'm not saying that doesn't work in his favor. Because it definitely does. Zach, what were you saying was the only potential 6 out of 5 movie this year? Psycho Gorman's the only one I got. Oh, 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 I see. You already currently had. Yeah, okay. Only one, and I don't see any other one coming out this year that's going to do it. I don't know. What about West Side Story? I'm not even going to watch it, so. (laughs) We're going to review it, so. (laughs) I'm not reviewing that movie. (laughs) We're doing it, buddy. Good luck. Oh, maybe, uh, I guess there's potential for another one. What's the other I one? I still would. I would still like to watch Saint Maud. Um, I have not seen that yet. What's What's the Nicolas Cage movie directed by Simon Soho? Oh, uh, uh, something about Ghostland. Yeah, that could be good. I mean, I'm looking out- forward to that. Outrageous enough for me to like. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, this isn't a movie. I was going to say Midnight Mass looks pretty good, but that's not a movie. It's a show, right? Yeah. Have you guys seen anything about uh, Squid Games? I no. had someone at work tell me that it was really good. Chris, have you seen it or heard anything about it? I watched the like little video that plays if you leave your cursor on it on Netflix, but that's it. Okay, so you haven't seen it? No. Um, that's just been the new internet rage. That's my kind of, fucking thing. Is that like I'm I, if it's a if it's like a huge internet thing these days, I just don't pay attention to it, or I don't want to pay attention to it because chances are it's just because there's not much crazy amount of content coming out right now. That's exciting, at least. I mean, South Koreans. Anything that I've seen out of South Korean has always been like pretty dark and fucked up. So that's kind of what's got me interested in it. Mm-hmm. Because I have heard that's dark and fucked up, so I'm like, this is on par, and I'm curious. I don't doubt that for a second. So I'm I'm slightly curious. But that's, um, yeah, that's all really I got worth talking about. Chris, you got anything? I don't know. I'm all set. Zach? Nope. So we're going to do Venom, we're going to do Venom 2. Let there be carnage. Next sure time, next me. week. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Chris, do you have a revolving schedule? It's not set every week. Uh, my work schedule fluctuates every single week. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, well, you know, they're very, very good about my school schedule, so I don't really complain too much about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just drop it at school, pussy. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck that. Well, as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here with us. Come back next time. We'll be here us talk about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And keep staying safe out there. Until next time, bye-bye.